Hi, you're listening to Thomas Patloch. I'm partner at Taylor Wessing, responsible for IP in the China Group of Taylor Wessing in the Munich office. And I'm looking forward to this podcast about China and IP. And you're listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright. Discover useful tools and much more. To episode 95 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Thomas Patloch of Taylor Wessing. He oversees the intellectual property activities regarding China for Taylor Wessing and is a fluent speaker of Chinese. And we talk about the fast-changing environment for patent litigation and patent prosecution in China and the influence of the government. Before we jump into the interview, I have some news for you. Benelux joined the Hague Agreement concerning the international registration of industrial designs. Starting from the 18th of December, you can designate Benelux in any design application according to the Hague Agreement. Also, just this last Sunday, the EU and Great Britain agreed on the terms of the Brexit Agreement. Articles 54 and the following articles offer some insight into how patents are and uh, in general intellectual property are dealt with after the Brexit. As for patents, nothing much changes. And as for designs and trademarks, it now seems likely that there will be an automatic and maybe even free conversion of EU designs and EU trademarks into national UK rights. Now, this agreement has to be accepted by the UK Parliament, which will not be very easy. And if it is not accepted, it is very likely that we have a so-called hard Brexit without any agreement. If you want to learn more about this in more detail, then you can head over to our website www.freischem.eu where I have published a detailed article about what happens to patents, trademarks and designs after the Brexit. And lastly, I want to mention that the famous patent database Espasnet has a new better version. I played around with it and it has some very useful filters and search fields and is quite easy to use. If you want to play around with it, you can head over to worldwide.espasnet.com slash beta better. Now let's jump into the interview with Thomas Patloch about China and patent litigation and patent prosecution in China. I'm very excited to be joined by Dr. Thomas Patloch today. If you don't know who Thomas is, he is leading the IP group of the China Group at Taylor Wessing and his partner there. He received his um, law degree from the University in Munich and he did his PhD in Passau already about the intellectual property and comparing China and Germany. He is a fluent Chinese speaker 
And I'm very happy to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Rolf. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Maybe you can describe your way to where you are today briefly. Yes, um, it is kind of, it wasn't a plan, actually, from the very beginning. And I always wanted to go to the US and ended up going to China, which um, I never have regretted indeed. Um, I think that uh, the Chinese legal environment has changed so much over the past 20 years I've been dealing with it. And in the beginning, it was quite a new and exciting field, which attracted me a lot, especially in the area of intellectual property rights, which in the 90s was quite still in the early days of an IP system in China. And I found that intriguing. It was fascinating. And until today, it remains a very, very exciting, fast-moving topic in the Chinese legal landscape. So how long are you already following the especially patent issues in China? Well, I'm following now this, uh, the whole development in China, especially focusing on technology, licensing and patents since uh, over 20 years. Um, initially, I think that um, the, the system has its own uh, history um, prior to the WTO and then after the WTO with a lot of pressure from the outside, but also from the inside. And since then, I'm trying to help, um, especially also Chinese companies going abroad, but also foreign businesses doing business in China, working together with uh, Chinese friends, lawyers, and trying to give the best advice, supporting enforcement negotiations, but also strategic advice on how to handle technology transfer issues, data protection, etc. So it's, it's a very big field, um, mostly to do with licensing and patents, And it remains quite uh, exciting, uh, as I've said before, uh, in spite of, uh, you know, having done this now for almost 20 years or even longer than 20 years. China has really uh, has taken a uh, huge development in the past uh, years and has overtaken the rest of the world in basically all metrics in the patent world, like applications, granted patents, patent litigation, everything. Um, so what, in your opinion, are the most important recent developments in China with regard to patents? Um, there are a number of things which will have an impact on foreign businesses, not only in China, but also outside China, driven by the famous Chinese IP strategy, which was issued in, in 2008 and since then has been complemented and enlarged to include all types of companies and businesses and is complemented by strategies like Made in China and uh, Internet Plus. And uh, when you look at the patent situation in China, as you said before, nowadays filing is at an incredible level. You have altogether in 2017, you had almost 3.7 million patent applications, um, of which only 160,000 or so were actually filed by foreigners and the rest by Chinese applicants, including utility models and design patterns. That creates a lot of intellectual property rights. It's a little bit like also a stress factor for businesses who have to watch out for a huge number of rights. Some of them may have quite some quality problems, and this has been recognized by the Chinese government and uh, the former State Intellectual Property Office, which has been now renamed uh, to the Chinese National Intellectual Property Agency. And it is um, a, a factor which drives a lot of Chinese companies nowadays to file as many patents as possible. And that, in turn, is creating, one, an awareness for the importance of IP in China, but two, also the potential for disputes and the potential 
for even um, being sometimes blackmailed or being subject to patents filed for already existing technology and then having or trying to, to invalidate them. That is one of the key issues which drives uh, patent-intensive industries. I think that further um, the licensing and uh, the idea of technology transfer has strongly picked up over the past years. Europe has been for years the biggest technology provider to China. And in the uh, strategies of the Chinese government, there is a will to um, import and absorb and then re-innovate China-made indigenous innovation technology. And that actually leads to a race to the top in the Chinese market, a very intensive IP field and um, a lot of costs involved, which uh, we don't perceive if we're in Europe or the US and don't know much about China. But um, the Chinese market has become fast moving, has become competitive, and the companies actively use patents also to litigate, as you mentioned before. Um, all in all, um, an, an environment which um, will even more emphasize IP than we do in Europe and in Germany. The, the government has, has um, had a big role in reforms uh, of the patent system in China. I mean, there's a couple of reforms um, in much shorter periods of time than in any other country. Um, does the government still have a lot, uh, let's say, a lot say or a lot influence in how the patent system develops? I think actually that the government has the role, the absolute driving role and the absolute paramount importance for the development of the patent and the IP system. Um, it starts with uh, the, the general policy background where you have money, subsidy, support by the government and the agencies involved in patents and trademarks and copyright. But it goes on also in the terms of the framework, in terms of courts, courts systems. There is an IP court now in three cities in China. Um, they're thinking about putting up a kind of a federal circuit court on top of that. The government is pushing judges to handle infringements swiftly. As you may know, courts in China who are educating patent disputes don't have the same level of independence compared to our system. Um, there are also party members at the court. Uh, the party is looking closely at the efficiency of the courts, is putting a lot of pressure and requirements on the judges and is also interested in having a functioning system. Indeed, China has made its homework very well and this is extremely, uh, this is actually largely due to the, to the government intention and to the government um, decision to do more about IP, much more. Uh, if you want to use um, a picture to, to explain this, it's like a pupil who has been the student who has been taught very well by its master and now excels and exceeds its master and is getting better at it than its foreign counterparts. So the government has to be taken into account at every step you make nowadays in China, especially in the patent system. And we expect that this role will not lessen. It will continue to be strong, especially with a view to state-owned enterprises who under the current leadership enjoy a new reinvigorated role who are a part of the general thinking of the Chinese leadership to have a stable country and who are also interested in protecting innovations, making innovations, becoming an innovative competitor. And that is supported by the government wherever possible by any means. This is an environment which we don't know in the West. We don't certainly don't know it in Germany 
where our courts play a rather independent role from our ministries and where the government is not shelling out subsidies, is not shelling out uh, free advice, is not trying to um, give awards uh, by the dozens to companies which file patents, etc., etc. So, um, yes, the government is there and the government plays an absolute crucial role. In the past years, or uh, maybe longer, um, it became more and more possible for foreign, uh, for foreign um, litigants, for foreign companies that are filing patent lawsuits in China to actually win these cases against Chinese uh, companies. Um, and that made everyone very hopeful that the patent system actually seems to work well in uh, China. Um, Do you think this trend will continue or will there be kind of a protectionism by the Chinese uh, government to protect Chinese companies and make it more difficult to successfully enforce patents in China for foreign com uh, companies? I mean, there are two sides to, to this question, which, which is a very good question, I believe. Uh, the first is, um, in the beginning years, of course, um, governmental authorities were concerned that their Chinese companies which at that time did not have patents, were subject to ambushes and um, attempts to monopolize certain technologies, which um, in the end led to sometimes decisions which probably in the West we, we wouldn't always have followed. But uh, recently the government is trying to uh, get a much more professionalized system. It's pushing its judges to drive up compensation in cases where there is a clear-cut infringement. And that's one side of it. So that's the good news. And that means for foreign companies, it's actually worthwhile to look at the Chinese patent system to litigate. And it's uh, actually not a bad place, uh, often better than many, many other countries we know. On the other hand, um, there's also a tendency to only grant real protection to those patent owners who actually use the technology, who try to bring it to the public, who are not just monopolizing and blocking, but who actually make use of it. That is can be seen um, already in the level of compensation then to be granted. Um, it's also interesting that um, the Chinese judiciary, the Supreme People's Court, has recently issued a judicial interpretation in which it um, basically granted an exemption from damage compensation requirements for those further down the chain who use a patent, who infringe a patent, but are not the manufacturer. So this judicial interpretation is asking for going after the source, the original manufacturer of patent infringing products, thereby protecting commerce, protecting the links further down the chain, which is very different from our German law possibilities once you have a patent and want to enforce it. And that makes it quite hard in the future to um, actually go after the source of infringement. China is a very big country. Um, some manufacturers are in locations where it is uh, quite different from the well-developed eastern part of the country where most of the industry is. And it is really a challenge um, also in view of the evidential requirements in Chinese procedures, which can be quite cumbersome, to, uh, to make it work. So in a way, um, if you do know the Chinese system, if you know how to prepare a lawsuit and how to attack, it is possible to have very positive results. Um, it is for foreigners a bit more difficult, certainly, um, also in terms of that there are no deadlines for proceedings to be closed. Uh, there is uh, some difference in the civil procedure law in China, which allows judges to delay decisions. 
Um, but all in all, I think that um, the, the environment and uh, patent enforcement in China is already now, since a couple of years, a, a real option. And many people are probably still at this status of some years ago where people were touting all the anti-counterfeiting problems China has, um, but not focusing on the new side of China, which has done a lot of work to increase the, to improve the system and it has actually managed in, in many, many aspects. Not in all, but uh, that can be said of any system around the globe, I believe. There's something I just found uh, quite interesting in your answer. I mean, um, we all know it is uh, difficult to find out where infringing goods are coming from. Um, everyone knows that many infringing goods are produced in China and then are sold in Europe and then the original manufacturers want to find the source and destroy the source. But you mentioned that actually getting evidence in patent litigation in China is also can be very difficult if the producer is in the western part that is not so civilized. Can you, can you go a little bit more into the depth of this? Can you describe it a little bit more in detail? Absolutely. Um, what happens in China is that um, there are some rules which originally oblige um, if you go after a manufacturer of an infringement, to sue at the place of the domicile or seat of the infringer. Now, um, it's unfortunately, under the Chinese system, there is no system such as discovery in the U.S. So um, even if you um, have a product or a brochure, it, it will not be easy to just go to the court and sue. You'll rather have to prove that the infringement has been really done by this specific manufacturer. And the first problem you'll probably have is how to get the infringing goods. Um, you will have to do that usually in order to be safe in a notarized format. And if it's an industry which has closed customer chains, say you could take an elevator industry, but you could also take uh, banking machines, telling machines, automatic telling machines and others, um, you will find that it's actually extremely difficult with a notary to obtain in a way uh, uh, which is acceptable to the courts and to the defendant who will dispute any evidence you put forward uh, to, to actually um, provide this to the judges and be able to initiate a lawsuit. There are some rules in the civil procedure law which theoretically allow you to ask the court to do some investigation on your behalf if it cannot be expected that you can, with reasonable success and effort in the market, obtain this evidence. But in practice, it is very, very difficult. And it depends really on the place, um, on the experience level of the judge, whether you can do this. In Shanghai, this is more often and um, granted and often with a very good reasoning and balance of interests. But if you do that in the western parts of the country where judges have less cases, less experience, and may sometimes also tend towards local protectionism a bit more, there it will be very, very difficult. And that means if you go to places which are in the central or western part of China and you want to enforce a patent, you probably will try to, to do a forum shopping, find a seller of the goods someplace else, and there's a special exemption if you sue the seller and the manufacturer at the same time, you may go to the place of sales. And again, there you have to do it in the right way, in a very specific manner, in order not to be disputed and to show that the infringing product is actually coming from the manufacturer. And as I explained earlier, many products are part of, say, a car or of, of a bigger machinery, 
and then getting to this part and getting to this machinery and proving that actually your target has delivered that, that is indeed much more difficult than in other jurisdictions and requires some creative thinking and digging and sometimes even trap purchases and other measures in order to be able to enforce. <laughs> So is there like are there specialized agencies or like um, service providers who provide exactly this service or is this law firms that are providing the service? Um, there are all types of models. Sometimes it's your own agents trying to prepare that. Sometimes you will turn to consultancy companies which help and know the industry. Sometimes the law firm itself will do that. Uh, in all uh, instances, it is actually a gray area. And uh, trap purchases, for example, are something where uh, some people in China argue that this is an instigation of an infringement. It should be allowed. Uh, other decisions have held this as permissible, especially where there is no other way to prove infringement. Otherwise, um, it is a, a murky and a difficult industry. And to be honest, um, a reform and, and better rules in the civil procedure law, let's say, and better application of existing regulations in the civil procedure law would greatly help to alleviate this type of burden. Um, I believe that this is something which is on the way, uh, that uh, there's a lot of pressure from big companies who have larger portfolios, like in the telecoms industry, um, to, to do more about that and to give more interim injunctions, to have more evidence preservation orders issued. And this will have to be done because, on the other hand, now there are very strict rule on privacy and very strict rule on safeguarding financial data and data about uh, individuals working in companies. So when you try to investigate companies, actually the transparency, to reach transparency, is very, very difficult. And there may be many, many wrong data, wrong information available, uh, which makes it even harder to then uh, really prove is there infringement or not and then go after an infringer. Um, these challenges are a bit China-specific and you've got to know your way around uh, before you start litigating. There's one other interesting thing that you mentioned before. Um, it seems that enforcement of patents is limited for patent owners who do not use the patent. Um, I could imagine that this could be kind of an answer to patent troll to the patent troll uh, problem. Do you see do you see it the same way? Is that uh, like do, did they listen to the problems in the U.S. or are there also the is there also the patent troll problem in China? And also, secondly, does that have an influence on the ability of, let's say, universities or other um, bodies uh, who just do research and then file their patents? They are not using the patents. Can they? Do they have a way to enforce the patents? Do they? Do the courts make a distinction between like patent trolls and universities? Is there a distinction? What What is your opinion? Uh, well, first of all, what we need to note is, um, although China has become a very IP-rich country, the industry is by far not yet developed as in the U.S. to have a real patent utilization company. It's starting to form slowly, slowly, but it's by no means close to that. Patent pools are becoming very important. Uh, people are looking at it. Chinese industry is looking at it. It's very interested. But um, there are always two sides to that. So the patent troll problem per se in China is not as pronounced as it is in other countries, especially in our economies. But um, interestingly enough, um, the Chinese patent law initially has been heavily influenced by German patent law and continental European patent law. And uh, only step by step, because the Chinese law firms and Chinese lawyers tend to go to the U.S., tend to watch the U.S., 
And a lot of uh, U.S. case law has also been absorbed. This is followed by more closely than the European development. And that leads to the question, if you compare German law, where you, in principle, always have an automatic right to an injunction, in comparison to the U.S. law, where this only follows a certain balance of interests and certain requirements you need to fulfill. In that regard, um, in China, there are people arguing with a reference to patent pools, patent trolls, that it should always be possible to basically buy the infringement off. There are some decisions in case law, one concerning a power plant where actually an injunction was denied and only a license, a kind of a compulsory license, was granted by the court at that time without a legal basis. Now this has been changed. Um, this is uh, something which, which heavily influences the entire ecosystem. Now, universities um, are strong patent filers still, and companies are catching up, but, but quite slowly. But universities in China, to my observation, are not yet very good in really putting it to use. There are tons of regulations and administrative rules and attempts by local governments to utilize the IP better. But um, the structure of universities and the way they are run and problems if you do have private companies and spin-offs of private companies with universities, which have been quite easy to observe in Beijing and the Beijing Silicon Valley, um, there it is. Um, it was not really very often very successful. There are some examples, but very few if you see the entire effort and, and you just measure it. So in my view, universities in China are currently not really treated differently because they're not a very active player. There are some who are trying, but this is some way off. Um, I do believe that um, this role will change over an improved chain of universities um, who are still having the problem of turning their inventions into a viable commercial product and Chinese companies um, who try to work more closely also with uh, basic researchers and researchers who have some university background. And there are lots of problems around that. We could talk about it probably in another full-time full, full -time, um, podcast on that. But uh, <laughs> all in all, it, it, is, it is an area where things are in a fluid motion, and yet the real driver at the moment are not the universities. Those are, it's, it's not like in, in China, in, in the U.S., Stanford University or others. Um, this is really some way off. And um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, how long this wave of patent filing is going on, whether they continue to grow and whether this will inevitably lead to another race to the top and uh, to more attempts to um, monetize patents, which will then impact the discussion on should there always be an automatic injunction or will you be able to buy off an infringement by paying a reasonable royalty? Mm -hmm. I have one last question about the prosecution um, side. Um, do you see a difference uh, how like foreign filers are treated in prosecution compared to national filers in China? Is it more difficult for foreign filers to obtain a patent or the other way around? Or do you think or do you see that they are all treated equal? Or what is your personal opinion? Um, this is a very sensitive question because, indeed, there have been allegations and even some people have alleged that, uh, that there are internal instructions to treat certain applicants faster than others and that there is also an instruction to look more closely at uh, certain industries. Um, I, I'm not inside of the patent office, of course. I think that um, China has grappled for some time uh, with this immense task feeling having to catch up and that certainly 
um, all types of um, of behaviors and all types of phenomenons can happen along that way. I do not believe that um, this is something, uh, even if it has happened, which will last for much longer. There, there is um, an increasingly an increasing awareness that you need to look at the international landscape, and uh, the patent office is doing a lot trying to improve the situation. Um, patent filers in China do need to know that um, the filing system and the way you structure your claims, for one, is quite different and much more narrow than our system. They will have to observe a little bit the language issues, so you have to be careful in checking the claims. Lots of people think they have a patent, and when they look then at the Chinese version, they will realize they don't. Um, you will have to make sure that uh, when it comes to also a patent which might in the end be used for enforcement, that you have to think a little bit in advance while filing. Those are strategic considerations which, um, again, um, actually support the idea of having a bit more China-specific strategy. It's not enough to say, I've done that in Brazil, it will work in China as well. I think that is doomed to fail. And that is also because at the moment there are still so many efforts ongoing to improve the situation for Chinese companies, and that somehow will always impact foreign filers. Mm. So um, what are your three most important pieces of advice uh, for our listeners that uh, to be successful in China with regards to patents? I think the first thing, which is, is, is an old news, but um, you have to file as much as you can, and you should file more utility models. Utility models are a wonderful weapon for enforcement. They're very difficult to kill because you can only use two pieces of prior art in the, very, in the closest field, technical field. And they have a, a lower requirement on, this, on the inventive step. And uh, they, are also, they have the full ambit uh, of the claims under our patent. So it's, it's a very useful weapon. It's totally underused by our foreign companies. And it's cheap, fast and a very good way to protect. So that, that is one thing I, I definitely would advise companies to do. I think the, the next thing which is very important when it comes to patents is to the growing and pruning and monitoring. Uh, something which is difficult to do if you don't have specialized stuff, but um, which in the end pays off if you know what your competitors are doing, if you know what your customers and clients are doing, and if you can react quickly. Um, this can uh, prevent a lot of unpleasant surprises, can save a lot of money down the road, and it is um, something which will also make you aware of the fast technology development in China and make you use the Chinese market and the Chinese resources more efficiently. I think the last one which is very important is that you have to watch out and look for uh, increasing licensing and IP transfers. Um, you will be forced probably still to transfer some IP into some deals and into some um, partners, state-owned enterprises will continue to be a big player, will pressure foreign counterparts. And that means when you do that, you have to have a very, very clear-sighted strategy in place how to deal with that. It is hard to um, prevent know-how loss. It is hard to prevent um, abuse of IP in any deal, and uh, so also in China. And therefore, it's, I think the, the, the biggest challenge in the, in the future is uh, to make sure that the business model you have is compliant on the patent side, on the licensing side, takes into account some specific country risks, and is able to also um, go along with uh, the further rights you have there on software, copyright, data, data protection, a very, very big topic under the new cybersecurity law, uh, to make sure that you have a comprehensive way 
how you protect your intellectual property. So just having one patent department doing its own thing and then the trademark department in your company another one and then the third guy in the product department is actually handling the software licensing, that's really not a good idea. You have to have a very clear look at the entire system and then uh, design something which works for the entire company. Mm, okay. Very good. I mean, that was a lot very helpful content for our listeners. Um, and I'm very grateful that you were on the show. If people want to learn more about China and intellectual property and they have questions for you, where can people reach you best? Well, um, of course, I'm always happy if you if you drop us a note on LinkedIn or on uh, Taylor Wessing's uh, website. Um, I'm also very open to any call you may uh, want to place. And I'll always try to get back quickly to clients and inquirers, and uh, I'm always excited to hear about new projects and learn about what other people are doing and to learn their story. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Thomas. Thank you, Rolf, and uh, best of luck to all of us in China and to the listeners. And uh, yes, uh, I believe that uh, it was an honor to be on your show. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.